Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. So today I'm going to be talking about fire magic again in a way that is definitely part two. And <laughs> speaking of fires, Hephaestus? Hephaestus. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Fire. We're going to be talking about fire. Uh, But on that note, on a very fiery note as well, I'm going to be talking about one of the up and coming stars of the herbalism world, ashwagandha. Oh my God. And like, literally, I'm so excited for this one because, you know, like speaking of up and coming stars, and I know you talk about this when you're in your segment, but it's like, literally, you see it everywhere. Like, it is. It's like you can get fucking ashwagandha gummies, like you can get it in drinks. Like there's so many like adaptogenic things. Oh yeah. Um, Adaptogens are like it's like the term of the moment in herbalism. It's really, yeah. So it's, it's a hot commodity. It's a hot I got commodity. thoughts and opinions, but we will get to that after we talk about fire. Right. So um just to kind of dive in here, when we first planned this segment, uh famously months ago because we lined up I I think it was like 20 or 30 episodes all at once which is a lot for a weekly podcast um we were really just wanting to like give some more coverage to a really big topic that we've kind of done pieces about already and it's also about sticking it to Pisces in the middle of their season uh yeah Um, and I'm gonna kind of sizzle like, that water, you fishies. Just, just overlooking it and like looking ahead into Aries season. Um, but actually, though, it, it it is almost Aries season. Uh, first fire, the exaltation of the sun, and the first warm breath of spring. So, I mean, it's like fire energy is certainly on the brain for those in the know. And fire really represents a lot to me, and truly has so much magical lore around it that it really is a no-brainer to cover it a bit more today, especially as we've also decided to talk about Hephaestus. Um, But as the world marches into World War III and we're bombarded day in and day out with images of the very literal destructive nature of firepower, I've begun to feel a little apprehensive because that's the thing about fire, like the same flames that could forge steel and create and strengthen things can also literally burn down a city. And like, we are literally kind of watching that happen in real time in, you know, a place like Kiev. And like, I'm sorry, y'all, but I think it is part of our duty as witches to kind of lead the way on these moral issues. Um, And I really did feel called to still do the segment, but I wanted to show off and highlight sort of the productive, the protective, and even the positive aspects of fire, since we are in a time where we're very much keenly aware of the negative aspects of fire. I mean, it's been thousands and thousands of years, but it's still just one of the top ways to kill other people. Um, yeah, humans since the dawn of uh, time have been really finding ways to uh, efficiently eliminate others. Just getting creative, getting creative. Um, but yeah, so, and I think a good place to dive in here, like I said, you know, we want to show like the softer, gentler side of fire and also be hashtag topical. Um, but it's the, it's the classic, it's the candlelight vigil. Right? Hell yeah. So I, I think, when I think of a candlelight vigil, you know, I do 
kind of almost instinctively roll my eyes. I remember we did one at school when 9-11 happened and we had- Oh God, yeah. We had these like, uh, like um, you know, like taper candles with like a little piece of like a, a solo cup uh, kind of towards the bottom to like catch the wax. Yeah. And we sang some like generic, non-religious, like patriotic song and had this like candlelight vigil. Um, and, you know, you might be thinking like candlelight vigils are sometimes cool or whatever, but like, what does that really have to do with magic? And I say, fuck you, I'm getting to yeah. it. God damn. God damn, hold your horses, bitches. Calm it. <laughs> um... But so fire as an element does have this very strong association with social change and making space and ushering in things that are brand new. Um, so fire energy is all about initiation and taking the lead. And I, like I said, I believe it's part of our assignment in this world as witches to not only hold space for that energy, but also lead by example, which is why I would absolutely encourage any listeners to maybe find the time and supplies to make and, and use a vigil candle uh, on your altar for all the refugees out there. Because I do feel like, you know, like this is something that we would have talked about if we had a podcast during the Syrian refugee crisis too. Like this kind of stuff really, like the plight of refugees is really something that should not be ignored by people like us. No. Um, and, no. you know, I, 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 so I was thinking, you know, like, to kind of keep it on topic, to kind of keep it on, like, what's happening in the world, like, if we wanted to do a candlelight vigil, like, a great thing to do would be, like, a dressed candle for the refugees. And I was thinking, like, a simple formula would be um, Angelica to call on these, like, protective spirits, like, guardian angel energy, and um, also baby's breath, because it represents, like, this innocence, you know, like, these innocent people, children even, war orphans, um, who are losing their homes and trying to find a place in this world and like also kind of losing their innocence in the process of like seeing these things and having to do these things. Um, and just in like a magical way, I feel like this is uh, like a good sort of formula to do a dress candle, to do like a, a little candlelight vigil um and just something kind of easy to do something kind of easy to do um and also just like calling on that that protective energy really yeah. is, is sort of what the message I wanted to send out you know because there there are people hurting and there are people who are innocent yeah. who are hurting in all of this like I you know like not even looking at the top with the politics of it like a country is being invaded hundreds of thousands of people are going to be displaced if not upwards of a million you know it's it's not yeah. it's not a, it's not a small thing the casualties uh, of war are always almost always innocent bystanders like the people yes. making the decisions to do this like even like the russian soldiers the vast majority of them are not people that want to be doing this and so yeah, i think and, it's like i you know and i actually had seen this video of a russian soldier crying like you know it's like a phone video but like they don't want to be there no they don't want to no. and, and, it, and it's kind of one of those situations where it's like you know it's like um they're, they're sort of encouraged to shoot deserters so it's like your your fellow soldiers would shoot yeah. you if you if you tried to like run away from the front line um and that's like ah, oh, that's so dark 
there's so much darkness in the world. And it's not even just like the Ukraine. It's like there's refugees all over the world. Like the Syrian refugee crisis is not over. It's ongoing. There's, there's, you know, like almost 2 million people in Germany, like 2 million extra people in Germany living in camps. And Yeah. um, I mean, not to mention the vast majority of people that have tried seeking asylum from Mexico due to like cartel wars and economic destabilization. Salvador. Many countries destabilized by the U.S. government, who is then turning away refugees like this is um it's a global crisis but i do just want to like take a beat for the ukraine in particular because more and more i've been seeing coverage of like black ukrainians being turned away as they're attempting to seek asylum and so i think just really putting extra like protective energies out there for those people because it's like racism is a problem everywhere and the ugliest well, parts of people get very loud when things like this are happening i mean even speaking of racism the fact that there's a lot of focus on this is happening in europe like you should be yeah. you should be worried because it's happening in europe the line between europe and asia is an imaginary line i mean they say it's a mountain range but it is one continuous piece of land and to like europe is not a continent in the scientific definition of what a continent is, it's Eurasia. It's Eurasia, yeah. It's Eurasia, but we call Europe a continent. We talk about, you should be worried about this because it's in Europe. And it's like, but we wouldn't be worried about it so much if it was in Asia or the Middle East. And it's like, no, that's actually, they're, they're, everyone's a fucking human being. It doesn't matter if it's in Europe or Asia, like people are still being displaced yeah. from their homes. Borders are made up. Making a point like that, though, is a dog whistle that you should care more because they're white. Yeah, and it's just- Predominantly white people in the Ukraine. Yeah, Um, and that's fucking gross, and we all know better. And I I agree, Nick. I think, like, part of so much of this, like, global awakening of people back to, like, magic and witchcraft, it's, like, it's hard not to feel like this is very necessary and important in this moment for there to be people that are, like, placing- more importance on things other than like politics and fucking mm-hmm. nationalism. It's like, no, th- these are humans. Like, yes. And I would say, you know, kind of leaning back into the, the idea of like fire elemental energy, like, you know, it's, it is about leading the way, like representing the spirit of fire. And I would say doing that would mean like doing what you can like if you're sitting there if you're if you're if you do a vigil candle which i would encourage you to do i'm also been burning the virgin mary because i had some leftover from Samhain season you know they do kind of go on sale after that and i personally like i fuck i fuck with the virgin mary a little bit i have a lot of christian ancestors so it's like i'm personally not a christian but i kind of call on that energy because it feels ancestral to me in a way that it's yeah. um close close to home you know um Anyhow, like, I'm not even going to get into all of that, but if you're sitting there, if you're doing this, and it kind of makes you sick to your stomach to think about what's going on in the world, like, put your money where your mouth is, Um, you know, like, give to a good aid organization, like, especially as regards to children, like, there's going to be so many displaced children and orphans that are going to come out of this, like, you know, or do something, volunteer to put together care packages, you know, like, donating doesn't I mean money doesn't have to be the end all be all like you could put you know uh, 
toothpaste and socks in a bag. Like you could go to your local charity org and help them do that. Like they need people to do that. Absolutely. Like they need someone to put together the care packages. Like you could fucking do that. Yeah. Do what you are able to do just because you can't write a $20,000 check. Like don't let that stop you from doing what you can and doing magic is also doing something. If that's all you're able and capable of doing. Yeah. And and it's like, long story short, the idea of a candlelight vigil, I think is great. You know, it's like, if we could get the coven in on something like that, very much in line with the energies and associations of fire elemental magic, something that we can all get into. And moving on though, something, you know, like a lighter topic, because I did want to get a little political with this because fire has this association with like martial arts and war and combat. And it's like, we're seeing so much of the negative side of that. Again, we want to show like the softer, gentler. Yeah, there's also the spark of life. There's also the spark of life, you know, like the the gift that Prometheus gave to us. Um, And... Don't let Prometheus's liver get eaten for eternity in vain, y'all. That's what we're saying. Exactly. So for the kitchen witches out there, I did want to talk a bit about something that I weirdly associate with this time of year, which is cooking over an open fire, Mm. Um, which might warrant a bit of an explanation. Um, See where I live in a little place called America uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, if you didn't know. Um, March and April, aka Aries season, aka my season, uh, is also truly one of the best times to go camping in the local parks, uh, which is actually something I've done several, several times for my birthday or like even just around my birthday. Like that's when I like to go camping because it's wildflower season. And here's a random side note, but it does tie back into the whole fire thing. Um, does anything have like more symbolic fire vibes than sort of like the low rolling hills of Texas covered in Indian paintbrush, catching sunset light and literally looking like they're on fire? Yeah. During a fire sign season, no less. Um, yeah, because one of the other names for Indian paintbrush that we found uh, was prairie fire. Prairie fire, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. it is, it is like that is a very apt description of it. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. Absolutely, and also the nectar, delicious. I remember we used to go out. I have told this story before, but we used to go out all the time, and you know, it's they have the little the little nut nibs, little nib nubs. Oh yeah. In the Indian paintbrush, you pull them out, you chew on it. Just it's, like, full mm, of, it's full of sweet num, num, nectar. You're like yeah. a little, you're like, you're like a little bee or a hummingbird. Yeah, you, know? you get to pretend you're a little, uh, a little hummingbird getting your nectar out there. It's yeah, it's tasty. Yeah, yeah. I think every uh, kid in Texas did that. If you didn't, I, I don't know what you were doing. I, yeah, I don't know what you're doing. But it's also like not drought season during that time of the year. So while you were camping, you can usually legally have a campfire. Yeah. Which brings me to what I wanted to talk about. So cooking over an open flame not only showcases some of that productive and even creative energy of fire, but it also shows off the mastery that you as a witch can have over this truly unpredictable and unruly element. Um, And that, friends, is witchcraft, plain and simple, but it's not just that. Um, how easy would it be to like write out a little daily protection spell on a scrap of paper and use it in your kindling? 
to kind, of, to kind of like activate it. And then you make your little breakfast on the fire in your cast iron skillet. Kitchen witches, this is right in your wheelhouse. So it's like too easy if you ask me and also a fully valid way to tap into fire's elemental energy. But yeah. on that note as well, you could also like fully make the fire you're using to cook into a spell in and of itself. Um, and one of the ways that we were recommending to do that is that you can just throw herbs in a fire with your kindling. So like if you had cinnamon sticks, like cinnamon burns really well because like the way it's processed, it's very dry. Yep. And it really is prepared in the same way that you would maybe even prepare tree bark for kindling. Uh-huh. Yeah, because cinnamon bark is bark. Remember everyone. It's a, it's a bark. Um, so it burns really well. It makes a nice smelling smoke and it has this protective energy. It has, it ties into this fire energy, but it's also kind of like a warm, sexy energy. So if you were kind of out camping and you threw some cinnamon into your fire, like that's kind of like really hot in a way. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that one of my favorite memories, Nick, and we'll have to dig up this photo of you is like one of the first times you met Eric we built that fire we built that little fire in the woods uh-huh. and drank way too much scotch but it was like there's nothing more i don't know it's like you feel very close to nature when you build a fire when you build a little fire yeah absolutely and that's also just such a good picture of me it's the best photo it's like big jack kerouac vibes yeah and it's yeah, yeah. the and I'm best like, and i'm like wearing like a blazer even though we're in the woods which is like yeah. so that's like why fashion honey look it up fashion honey look it up <laughs> um you don't have to dress like you're hunting to go to the woods no 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 one said that was the rule but so i would say pine needles too like i did want to throw this one in there because another place that i have done a lot of camping is louisiana um and also east texas where there's a lot of pine trees and so anywhere that there is pine trees there is a shit ton of pine needles and pine as we know has this like purifying energy um because like really anything in that family too but pine does also you know kind of going back to cinnamon smell nice yeah so it's kind of like it has these magical properties. It also smells nice. It's also good kindling. Yeah, win, 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 win. And also this like purifying smoke. And, you know, so it's like you could, you could, I mean, you could play around with it because so many of the herbs that we use as witches are dried. Yeah, but, and there's just nothing like more to me, I guess this is like the hippie green witch in me, but there's like nothing more romantic than like the next morning having that beautiful, like smoky herby smell in your hair after you've been camping and like, you just feel like a fucking like forest deity, like so good, so good. Um, But the point is though, to all of you kitchen witches, if you're doing your kitchen witch thing and cooking over an open flame and like demonstrating this mastery over fire, then that is really adding vitality and extra energy to the practice, which, you know, who wouldn't want that? Um, And turning our attention to green witchery, and this is kind of one where I wanted to touch base with you, Shannon, is, um, and also kind of showing off this like softer, more creative, more nurturing side of fire and you're probably like green witchery like what do you want me to do burn my garden down like how right. the hell is that gentle and non-destructive well i say fuck you i'm getting to it jesus christ don't rush me so here's the thing 
Um, if you're like me and you like to celebrate the moon cycles by having a little S-bot get together, AKA having a bonfire at full of new moon, which I did, you know, Callie built, basically, Callie basically built a, a, a fire pit in her yard so that I could come over and have moon bonfires again. I love that. Um, which, yeah, love that. Um, but guess what? This part is for you. Uh, if you if you do that like I do. Because you can, of course, use these fires to do bindings, cord cuttings, manifestation work, or like myself, a mix of all of that. But sometimes I like to write little poems about my emotional state or like what's going on in my life and burn those too to like purify the energy and really like clear the air. But at the end of the night, paper crafts aside, you now have a fire pit that's just full up with wood ash. And so one of the things, you know, I was like looking at things to do with ashes because I do feel like, you know, as witches, we should strive to use all of the parts of the things that we're doing. Um, and actually, I, this is where I kind of wanted to refer to you, but what I had read was that for vegetable gardening, especially ashes can be quite, quite a good amendment to your soil, like wood ash. Yeah, they can. I would just say if you're doing that, just make sure that like the wood that you're using the ash from is like organic and well-sourced because oh, sure, if sure, it's sure. full of like weird chemicals, you don't necessarily want to be putting that on there. But as yes. long as it's like well-sourced, yeah, it's great. Yeah, this is this is not, um, you know, like a pallet fire or like, yeah, you know, like yeah, if, you're exactly. burning, if you're burning chair legs or furniture or, you know, like an old deck, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, have, yeah. Have fun at your fire. Yeah, uh, do that, but don't but, put that on your food afterwards. But, but you know, it's like, um, but if you have like cut down a tree in your yard or just gotten some like good natural wood. Yeah. A, a little wood ash, you know, so it's got potassium, it's got calcium, it's also um, alkaline. So if your soil is acidic, it, that's not necessarily so great for growing a lot of vegetables and um, fruit trees don't, yeah. that don't like acidic soil. So, you know, you could use that wood ash. And that's just something that I, I was wanting to look at that we could, for the green witches out there. But also I was thinking just like this, this symbolism of like, if you're doing cord cutting magic, if you're doing banishment, if you're... Pure, you know, like doing purification in your life, and then you're taking what's left of this fire and using it in this way of like nourishing yourself, like it's going back to to nourishing you. Yeah, I there's love a, that. There's just something that's very like beautiful and like full circle about that that just feels very magical. And also, you know, it's like that comes from fire. Like you wouldn't get yeah. those ashes if you didn't have fire. And it, it's, you know, some people would see it as a byproduct, but it's like, really, here's this other thing that fire can do. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think that like, uh, something I also do is like, I collect the ashes. So when I burn like rosemary or sage bundles, or like if I am making a bunch of like tea with herbs, it's like, I don't have space to compost necessarily, yeah. but I do have garden beds. So a lot yeah. of times I'll like sprinkle that stuff and kind of like mix it in and let like nature start breaking it down. So I think doing things like this are also helpful for those of us that maybe don't have room for a compost bin. So it's like, you're getting that extra magical vibe, but also it's like, continuing to try and like do closed circle ecology like you know not wasting stuff i think it's like 
for so many reasons this is such a good good tip right and you know it's like if if that's not i mean if you're not trying to grow those kinds of things obviously you know it's like you're gonna want to look at like what the acidity levels especially for the things you're trying to grow are but like a lot of vegetables and like lettuces and beans and stuff like that like don't really like acidic soil ashes yeah. can help you yeah and uh so you know it's just like it's like we really kind of wanted to go like you know head to tail on this whole fire thing but I think that's really kind of where I'm leaving off here because I really didn't want to focus so much on like banishment or, you know, kind of like these not negative aspects of fire, but like more destructive. Like I really only yeah. wanted to focus on creative elements of fire. And like, yeah. we're gonna, you know, we're going to be talking about Hephaestus a little bit later on. So it's like, there's, there's obviously metallurgy. Yeah. Um, and then it's like candle magic, like, we talk about candle magic. Shannon, we do. Shannon's got her homemade candles there. Yeah, that was something I was going to say. We talk a lot about candle magic, but also making candles is a great way to reuse jars. Speaking yeah. of, like, both of the candles that people on Patreon can see, these are both yeah. in, like, old honey jars. And I think that, like, lighting these, I've got, like, a frankincense one and a lavender one. It's, like, yeah, it's, sometimes I do it for magic, but also these are just, like, in my home. So it was, like, I imbued them with a lot of love and care while I was making them. So they're just like long-term spells. And I think I'm very hedge witchy in that sense where I don't necessarily often do like sit down spells, but it's right. like, I make things all the time for my home. You have and like magical stuff in your house. Exactly. It's like, I make things. That's what I do. That's magical. And I think there's like a space for that too. But it's also why I think if you, aren't able to necessarily donate money or things to causes sometimes just like really focusing on it and like actually putting intention and care into things that you're doing and thinking about people you know that that's not nothing like that's not no. that is doing something if that's what you can do like do what you can basically and, and i would also say you know like lean into that fiery energy have that yeah. hard conversation with that person in your life that is a warmonger and is like in this in this weird rabbit hole like that so many americans are in and i would say even in both of our families like there's these people that are just brainwashed and just like you know like beating the drums of war and like wanting this because they've somehow been brainwashed into like thinking this is good and right and it's never right you know yeah it's, it's never the right thing um, yeah i mean that was i forget who it says who says it but it's like that quote from mash that somebody was like well they say war is hell but but war is worse because everyone in hell you know is a bad person that deserves to be there but in war everyone's a bystander like no right. one in war everyone gets hurt it's like children it's people that didn't make the decision the soldiers aren't the people making the calls it's like everyone that dies in war almost exclusively is not someone who had the power to make the decision to even be there. Right. And, uh, you know, I famously finished a rewatch of MASH recently. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't place that quote, but like, I, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was Alan Alda, you know, probably. And, 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 and if he didn't say it on the show, he probably wrote that because I think Alan Alda is, is actually brilliant. Um, yeah. And I think the message of that show was also brilliant and very timely. So, yeah. But I, but just to kind of circle back around, you know, I think this is a really good time to to look at the positive aspects of fire and not get so caught up in the negative because we really are 
kind of being bombarded with that right now. And so like the timing of this episode was a little strange even. Yeah. Um, but I feel but, like that's that's where Nick and I both being like vehemently anti love and light is like, I, I'm glad that we're like talking about this because it's like, yeah. this shit is hard, but this is also real. Right. And like, this is, this is our platform. And I would just feel like so bad if like we didn't, if we didn't encourage people to like actually get involved in, yeah. in, in good, in good ways, but kind of going back to fire, y'all know that we are both like big Virgo energy here at once and fronds. And, um, it, it just wouldn't be, we, we literally could not talk about fire magic cooking over an open flame, even gosh, you know, like collecting ashes. We didn't do little QWP. Um, playing with fire is never, is never good. No, y'all, like, as I live in the land of wildfires in fucking California, don't do and, it. And I mean, you know, it's like, we have our fair share in Texas. I don't know if you remember, Shannon, like when we lived on Riverside during the Bastrop fire. Yeah. And if you looked east, like you could just see the, the smoke where it was like, there was a certain point where it was like, it's Mordor. It's Mordor. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's bad. It's and bad. on that note, fuck, fuck your stupid gender reveal parties that are like yeah, setting yeah. off explosives during droughts. Like, come so on. You, so you guys, I, I feel like it's dumb that we, you know, that, that people even have to say this, like Smokey the Bear, where are Only you? you. Only, Only you, you can prevent so forest here's, fires. So here's the thing, though. If you're going camping, if you want to cook over an open flame, if you're having a full moon bonfire, I'm going to need you to have a bucket of sand. Yeah. I Like, literally, like, it's fucking stupid if you don't. And yeah. furthermore, if you're burning a fire in your backyard, you're going to need to have that hose ready, honey. Yeah. Just be prepared. Just be ready. Like, because, you know... The thing about fire is that it's it's hard to control. And so mm -hmm. even if you have a fire pit, I've seen this in County's yard because it's like, you know, it'll burn down to the coals. And sometimes wood pops like popcorn. Yep. And it blows a little coal out of the fire pit. And if your grass is dry, fire. Your, yard is, your yard is on fire. You need to be ready. You need to have sand. You need to have a fucking hose, like ready to go. Yep. And you and you do not leave a burning fire unattended. Nope. So if your friend has gone inside to use the restroom, you are not going to go inside and, and refill your glass of wine. You're going to wait for them to come back and then go get your wine. Take your turn. Take your turn. Someone's yeah. got to be out there watching the shit. Like, you know, it's just crazy to me, like how irresponsible people are around this like raw elemental force. Like it's fucking like have, show some fucking respect. Yeah. It's like, we all understand that like, it only takes six inches of water to like knock a full grown man down of like moving water. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of respect for floods. Can yeah. we do the same for fire? Yeah. Yeah. Really though. So that's, like, that's really, that's, you know, that's all I had to say. I was just like, we can't, we literally can't talk about fire without being like, uh, only you can prevent forest fires um also you know it's like when you're burning fires in your house like if you're if you're doing you know because one of the things I love to do when someone pisses me off is like write their name on my on my fancy paper from my journal because that does make it more powerful guys. Mm -hmm. like um 
write your name on the fancy paper from my journal and then burn it over my toilet and then flush the ashes down because that's, Love it. that's how I feel about you when you have double crossed me. But what I will say is that you got to be careful when you're doing that, like literally, you know, like a little piece of that burning paper could fly away, land in your, your trash can. And, um, you know, it's like now you, now your house is on fire, um, yeah. which don't, do, which don't do that. Like don't, you know, but yeah. Um, I remember being in middle school and I was very angry about something because I was in middle school and I was like, I wrote this like really angry poem and I was like mm-hmm. lighting it on fire yeah. and then I threw it in the trash can and then the trash can was on fire oh, no. Yeah, uh-huh. and it was in that office that ended up yeah. being your room and yeah. all my Nana saw was like a bunch of orange on the wall and I like ran into the kitchen to get like some <laughs> like baking soda to put it out and she was like, what's going on? I was like, nothing, nothing, just putting the fire <laughs> and it's like it's that fast guys yeah it's, it's really um, <laughs> so so yeah like like show a little respect show a little respect that's like really you know the vibe that's the moral of the story that's here the moral and of the story i have to apologize for anyone who's been hearing all of the weird background noise willow has had a bowl of food all day and decided to eat when i was recording so um sorry she's been in a mood anyway so before we get into ashwagandha i wanted to take a quick detour for us to do like our little plugs so you can reach out to us anytime through instagram which is at wands and fronts pod you can email us wands and fronts pod at gmail.com the best way to support us is by joining our patreon which is through patreon.com slash Wands and Fronts pod, uh, literally at as little as $5 a month, you get to see like our beautiful faces when we do our video recordings. You usually which, get the episodes early. Note, you know, we're doing this episode. We're talking about fire magic. We're talking about Hephaestus. I'm wearing this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous crimson red flannel it's shirt. beautiful. And you would, you would, you don't get to see that. If you don't. You're just, if you're just listening on Spotify. So. No, we just released uh, one of our bonus episodes. There will be one more to come this month. We did a really great, like, investigative episode about Miss Cleo. Mm-hmm. Y'all, it's that fucking was, good. It was so fun to do, too. Like, yeah. literally such a good time and then we do the coven meetings which you know we're doing like a once a month coven meeting we did we did that self-love spell which was really fun um that was that was for january and um yeah that was january right yeah and then the february um, one's tomorrow we're just squeaking it in in february which i mean if you're listening to this it was actually like two days ago but right hey but 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 if you were on the Patreon, you would know that it's tomorrow, yeah. So exactly, um, yeah. So that's that's that. Uh, we love you guys. Like like, like like it. Like rate subscribe. Yeah, review it. Leave us a written review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Tell us how great you think we are. Um, all right, ashwagandha. Ashwagandha literally translates to that which has the smell of a horse. Oh my gosh, beautiful beautiful name. So romantic. Horse girls everywhere. Ears perking up. Uh, (laughs) The name, though, is an allusion to the strong odor of the root, but also because it's used to help, like, restore strength and vitality and it, like, revs up your sex drive. And the way it helps with your sexy times is by, like, lowering your overall stress, like, over time, which can cause, you know, long-term stress can cause sexual issues with a lot of people and as we mentioned earlier 
ashwagandha is like one of the biggest like biggest name aptogen adaptogens out there these days so like let's talk about what exactly an adaptogen is right because it's like these days in the herbalism world and like even just in the general like wellness and woo sphere i feel like every time i turn around people are talking about adaptogens and that's not a big surprise given like our culture's obsession with like productivity and not resting and like hustle culture and girl boss culture and all of these things that are just like go 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 never stop taking vacations is for the week but that's not to say you know adaptogens are all bad not in the least uh the way adaptogens work is they like combat your body's reaction to stress right so they're said to help us like withstand the increasing pressures of the modern world a lot of adaptogens are also like very energizing ashwagandha will learn is like an exception to that but the big thing is people are like well if you're like super stressed out just like take adaptogens and like that in and of itself like taking them to like help your body combat stress isn't necessarily a bad thing but the thing that worries me is how many people like are recommending or are using these in lieu of actually like addressing the factors in their lives that are adding undue stress on your body so that's the problem right it's like you can use adaptogens to support your life like to have a healthier lifestyle but like at the end of the day if you need a fucking nap it's like adaptogens can only do so much if you're not actually like resting and recovering and taking care of your body so let's talk about ashwagandha or withania somnifera which is in the solanaceae family and it is a cute little shrub that has orange red fruit and you can find it in the dry and the very hot areas of india and nepal uh speaking of which i went to like this really great restaurant last night that was like nepalese and himalayan food very good That's so cool it was really good so the little shrub goes grows to be about two and a half feet tall it's got like a central stem and the the branches kind of come out in like a radial pattern kind of like you see on pine trees and it has these ovate alternate leaves and the branches are covered in really fine hairs the flowers themselves are like green on the outside and yellow inside but the like star of the show here is the long iron rich root that is used as like a life prolonging tonic in Ayurveda. The leaves, the root and the berries are also used like across India and Africa for a variety of different remedies. And then of course, in the West, we primarily use it as an adaptogen. So in India, the plant is a perennial, but you can grow it as an annual in more temperate areas and just harvest it in the fall. And it's totally possible to grow it in your garden and even in, in containers, as long as you get like deep enough containers because again remember you're growing it primarily for the root at least in western herbalism and you can grow it from seed so you just plant them like just under the surface like maybe two centimeters down and then you wait until the temperatures outside are at least around 70 degrees right the seeds germinate in about two weeks and then you'll keep the seeds moist while they're establishing but you can back off once the plant is like fully established and on its way because remember these are like native to really hot dry areas super drought prone parts of the world the plant needs full sun of course and sandy very well draining soil like it will keel over if the if the soil stays wet for too long like it cannot do with being waterlogged and it does love like warm verging on hot temperatures like ideally between 70 and 90 degrees fahrenheit which is like 20 to 35 celsius it likes to be warm. So this is this is not um this, yeah, this is she she's spicy. 
This is, uh... Yeah, she's spicy. And, like, you this can not, grow this it. For, this is not for Canadians. No, no. And you can grow it in more temperate climates, but the thing is, it's going to grow so slow in environments like that. So it's, like, at a certain well, who's point... Got, who's got the patience for that, though? Exactly, exactly. And the roots are where, like, the medicine that we use in Western herbalism primarily is. So, you know, you want to make sure that if you're fertilizing it, that it's organic. You know, try sticking with things like worm castings or fish emulsion, because you're going to be eating the roots of this. And if you live somewhere cooler, um, even if it's not, like, you know, Canada, uh, you still are going to want to, like, overwinter it inside or just like cultivate it as an annual and call it a day and replant it again in the spring. But when the flowers and berries are forming and the leaves are starting to dry out, that happens usually around like six months old, that's when the roots are ready to harvest. And you wanna dig them out really carefully. Like you can get like a little small tool, like a skinny trowel. Um, and one of the great tips for like, if you're digging up roots for using them, if it's like, even if it's like dandelion or carrots, is like get the soil moist before you do that. That way you're not like tugging and it's not getting like lube, stuck and dry. Lube it up a little bit. Lube it up. No one likes to go in dry. <laughs> like that's, that's how you tear things, including oh, God. roots. Including roots. It really, it really is. We're talking uh, about roots, you we're perverts. We're talking about roots here, you fucking perverts. God, oh my your God. Jeez. <laughs> um, so after you harvest it, you're going to like wash and dry the roots and then cut them into smaller pieces and like, Everywhere online, it's like, do a dehydrator, like, dry them out in a low oven. But, like, you can also straight up just dry them out in the sun. Like, how do you think they're doing that in India? Like, in, like, Ayurvedic practices hundreds of years ago, they're not putting them in a dehydrator. Well, and it's kind of <laughs> one of those things, too, where it's like, if you really kind of lean into this idea that where they're sort of naturally found and grown is very hot and deserty, it's not you know, you're putting them out in the sun on a 60 degree yeah. spring day. It's like, I mean, think like Texas in the summertime, even like yeah, something, I mean, I don't, this is so dumb. This is so weird, but it's like, I remember one time I was like eating a sandwich and it had a little tomato on it. Right. And I guess the little tomato had fallen out on, on my patio because sometimes I just eat outside. Right. This is such yeah. a dumb story, but it, it, it does, it does make sense. It does make some of the context. So it's like a hundred degree day. You put it out in the sun. I swear, I swear to you the next day, it was like a crispy, like fully dehydrated little tomato slice. <laughs> it was like, like a tomato a, chip. It's like a tomato chip. <laughs> and uh, because it literally, it does not yeah. take that long. It does, you know, it's not crazy to leave something like that out for a day. Yeah, and then you get like the extra solar energy in it. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're doing that at the same time, you can also harvest the seeds. So you're gonna like get the berries, dry them, and then crush them to take out the seeds. So let's talk about the medicinal benefits. So you guys know I have to say here, I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please just talk to your fucking doctor. Don't take medical advice from podcasters. What's wrong no, with you? Yeah, talk to a all professional. You Joe Rogan people out there, like yeah god like taking, honestly taking medical be... advice from the former co-host or host of fear factor yeah, yeah yeah no it's like literally i would be so embarrassed for you if you were like fully relying on wants and fronts for your medical um 
I'd just uh, be very worried about you. <laughs> I'd be like, do you need to talk to someone? Like we say in every episode that we're not doctors because we're yeah, not doctors. Yeah, because we're not doctors. So, so <laughs> the genus name, Somnifera, paints a picture though. Like this plant does have calming properties. And again, that's something that makes it really unique among adaptogens. Most of them are kind of stimulating, but ashwagandha is actually a nervine. And it's a really great choice for you if you're someone that deals with like anxiety or stress or even insomnia. Like, especially that type of insomnia that's caused by like racing thoughts and like your body being tense and like if you're nick so ashwagandha some people drink ashwagandha like tea lattes before bed to help them kind of like relax and unwind there have also been like several studies on its uses for mental health and it has shown clinical promise for anxiety and even as like a potential for an add-on protocol for people with bipolar disorder which i as someone who has bipolar too i'm like Yes, please. I'd like to learn more about that. Um, like other adaptogens, it also improves your immune response by preventing white blood cell depletion. So something that like happens when you're stressed is your immune system ceases to function most efficiently. So this is another thing that adaptogens are good at when it's helping your body combat the effects of stress. Well, one of those effects is suppressing your immune system. That's why people get sick when things are really fucking nutty in the world. Um, so some cultures also use this as a tonic during pregnancy, but other cultures use it as an abortifacient. So the dosage here is the key difference. But like with that said, if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant, like be very careful, talk to your doctor. You know, if you're like trying to like bear children, you really need to be cautious. There are just so many things that you have to pay more attention to and I am not an expert in that and I don't pretend to be so when it's also you know it's like you are are not in that realm of like even I mean you know it's like why would you why would I don't you I don't want children and like in my herbalism studies I am like all of my practicals and like the recipes and everything I'm doing are often about women's health but not about like childbearing women not because i don't think childbearing women are awesome but because it's just not my area of study so i'm just like i'm just saying that so i don't know about y'all that are like doing the kid thing so the plant is sweet and warm with a slight bitter edge and it's a again a really great addition to like a golden milk or tea latte so like nick imagine this you're getting ready for bed heat up some like oat milk and you stir in some turmeric and ashwagandha and then you like curl up with that hot steaming golden milk maybe a pinch of cinnamon or nutmeg if you're feeling oh, absolutely. spicy absolutely mm. Imagine Me, I, I put I, I mean I put cinnamon in very inappropriate places I famously put cinnamon <laughs> in my pot roast sometimes so. I was just like my first thought was like why are you putting cinnamon in your butt don't do that that's bad for <laughs> you because <laughs> I'm a child that's putting not what I meant that's in not inappropriate places no, in Nicholas in a pot roast though because if you do it in a pot roast and this is like a hot tip for all of you out there if you put cinnamon in a pot roast and you put a bunch of tomato in it you end up with like a cinnamony tomatoey sauce that sounds good for your beef and your veggies and it's fucking phenomenal so yeah but can you imagine curling up with that before bed Um, and it just like relaxes you Mm. you said golden milk latte i was like literally fucking sold well and i 
I think kind of the idea with a lot of this stuff is that they try to make it into like a chai drink too. Yeah. Or like, I've definitely seen that one. I'm not going to like drop a name brand because they, you know, like are not sponsoring us, but it's like, I think I would go like a kind of the turmeric. And also, I don't know if this is just like where I live, but I've noticed that even like the, the regular grocery store I go to has been selling like raw turmeric for a, for you know like I, yeah. I just like I just noticed it one day by the ginger and I was like oh they like you can just buy turmeric like just raw turmeric. yeah and it's I cheap. love it it's, it's like good cheap. it's like cheaper than buying like the dry form and yeah so turmeric cinnamon some ashwagandha in like wow. an oat milk or an almond milk um if you have them throwing some cardamom pods in there while it's steeping oh. Mm, yeah there's nothing better than like even just like crunching one in your mouth while you're like getting ready you know in like ayurveda they will like prescribe people like chew cardamom pods for certain things because it's really good for your oral health as well i mean i've I've done it we used to do raw cardamom in one of the chives at my old job and Mm. you know because they have that little shell yeah that's almost kind of like a pistachio shell, but not as yeah. thick, you know, like they have the, like, the little outer shell. Yeah, because you can crunch through it much easier. You can, you can crunch through it much easier, but sometimes they would like even come out of the shell and just pop it in your mouth like a pine nut. Delicious. Mm, and it's, it's so delicious. Good. So good. Um, I have also, though, seen ashwagandha because you can find the root in powder form, but you can also find it in like root form, just like chopped roots. And I've seen it in recipes for like adaptogenic, like, herbal coffee replacement so like it would include something like dandelion coffee exactly yeah Yeah. so it's like it would be like ashwagandha root with like chaga dandelion root and chicory as like a coffee replacement which how great does that sound everyone should be putting chicory in their coffee or their coffee replacement it's so good it's so good speaking of camping in louisiana making chicory coffee over an open fire in a percolator oh my god that's so Louisiana in the best way. I'm like literally like I'm getting like I'm my mouth is watering just thinking about Happy that. early Mardi Gras, y'all. That's like, Tuesday. Yeah, it's like how delicious uh, is mm. is chicory. But no, I mean I'm like loving this idea of like using it as an add-in for like hot beverages. Yeah. You know what? I think there's already something so relaxing about a hot beverage moment. And then if you're literally taking something that's gonna like help you lower your stress level yeah and you know like maybe calm your mind a little bit yeah and it's naturally like it has a slightly better edge but it is naturally like got a bit of sweetness too so i think if you're trying to avoid using sugars before bed that's also like really helpful Mm -hmm. and it's 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 almost like a little nutty it's not as gross as some of like the powdered mushrooms that people are really into because like Look, I love lion's mane, I love chaga, whatever, but like putting that in hot cocoa and pretending that's supposed to be a hot chocolate like alternative it's not, it's, is not it's, the it's not the truth. It, it sure isn't. And you know, it's that's just kind not. Of, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Again, that drink that we're not gonna say because they're not gonna sponsor us. Um, so fuck you, you know. Yeah, like, fuck out of here. Missed out on some free advertising. But no, 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 no. Um, it's I mean, 
It doesn't taste great. Powdered mushrooms are not chocolate. Like they're not <laughs> they're hot chocolate. Not. Sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys. Like it's I'm a, I'm you. a fucking crunchy person. It's like it's good for but you. No. no one's saying you should do it, but stop. You know, it's like cauliflower rice. Okay. It's not that's not rice. fucking rice. It's, it's not fucking rice. It's tiny cauliflower chunks. It's tiny cauliflowers. And it's stop okay. It. Like you can eat it because you want to get more vegetables, but like doing it and pretending you're like replacing rice is just like wow. Sad for you. Sad anyway, for you. let's and talk about li- magic. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to everyone else. You are. Like, I can't tell the difference. Bullshit. We can all tell the difference. I like limit my intake of gluten because I'm gluten intolerant and not because I've decided like I've had tests, medical tests done. I'm gluten intolerant. Fucking gluten free like cauliflower crust pizza is not the same. No, it's just I re- not I mean, the same. Just, just pay the money for the fucking the, the rice the rice bread one because yeah. at least then yeah. it's bread and that's what pizza is pizza is a fucking it's bread pizza's bread uh <laughs> the, the before we move to magic i do just want to say the most common suggestion i've seen for dosaging is like five grams of the ashwagandha powder taken twice a day so a ballpark place to discuss with your practitioners. Um, so magic, right? This plant is of course associated with the element fire. We do have a podcast episode theme uh, and the planet Mars. So you can use the root in like charm bags or even add it to magical baths. If you're doing it in a bath, please don't do the powder. That'd be that'd be kind of gross. <laughs> I'm just gonna like say it. I just th- I just thinking like because someone because might I, not I know. Because like, I feel like I feel like it would be brown. It'd be like kind of like a murky brown. You're gonna look like you're in a fucking like like bog water bath. Oh no 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 no! Like that's not the mood. Um, I think it's a great candidate for like magic related to endurance, physical health, or you know even mental health. And the plant has been shown to like clinically strengthen sperm. So I'm like great candidate for love magic. And with the fire association, like. Think about that, like making a latte with ashwagandha powder, cinnamon, and a bit of cayenne, maybe some cocoa Mm. powder before doing some sex magic, like. Mm. Spicy. You know? Like, you know, like while you're camping next to your cinnamon. (laughs) Oh my God. You've never been hornier. The sex is great. (laughs) Um, And you can, of course, add it to sleep sachets. Again, please do the root, not the powder. You don't want to get that in your bed. But especially, I think, if you're doing, like, long-term spell work around your health and vitality, or if you're trying to conceive, because even though it's used for different types of tonics around pregnancy, magically, I think it's a great spell ingredient for conception. Um, And if you'd like to use it for conception, I was thinking, how cute would it be to like make a charm that you wear regularly on like a long necklace chain that's like hitting near your low belly that you can like wear with you daily, including maybe some like, like something to represent Bridget with a little bit of ashwagandha, like all about fertility. Eh, just some thoughts if you want to like make a baby. Um, and that's really all I have for you today. So my sources were balconygardenweb.com, uh, the herbarium's excellent monograph on ashwagandha and lavendermoonapothecary.net, plus lots of my own ideas. And I think Nick and I talk about this periodically, but I do just want to remind y'all that like a lot of the spell work we come up with is like homebrewed. So yeah. Feel free to take it and use it, but also like if you have other thoughts or additions, like let us know. I love hearing like if you guys are doing like riffs on this stuff. Like it'd be so great yeah, to know absolutely. what y'all are doing. I, well, and I think that's kind of the point too, is that 
a lot of the stuff that we homebrew is kind of adapted, speaking yeah. of adaptogens, uh, is kind <laughs> of adapted like from other other traditions and other people's spell work. And it's like, it's it's sort of the evolution or it's like intuitively, sometimes I will look at a spell and I'll be like, I'm not going to do this part because to me, it doesn't like intuitively follow with the theme of the spell or it's like, I'm like, it's too much work for like what you're actually going to get out of this particular step. So I'm like, Neh. you know, I'm always about streamlining. I'm always about yeah. simplifying. Like, I think this kind of thing should be approachable. And then I, I definitely encourage people, like if you're listening to this podcast and you do some of our homebrews that we, you know, come up with for this, it's like, feel free to make it your own. Like, yeah. And, and, and we encourage that and we, we honor that even. Like, yeah. That's like where the magic is. The magic is between the lines. Like that's right. what, that's what we do as witches. But I just really want to hear if any of y'all are taking anything and like doing riffs on it. Like we, we'd love to know that that'd be we'd so cool to, to hear about. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and it's like, you know, we, we, there's so many out there, like eventually we're going to, we're going to write a book. We're going to write a spell book. So yeah. On sleep sachets and doormat sleep magic. Sachets, door, doormat magic. Um, <laughs> the wands and fronds story. <laughs> the wands and fronds story. Um, but okay. So we're going to talk about Hephaestus and you might be wondering why in the world we're covering Hephaestus when we've already covered Vulcan. And just in case you haven't heard it enough this episode, fuck you, I'm getting to it. Okay? I know, I'm like, hi, Aries season is right around the corner and Nick is in Aries mode. Oh, fuck yeah. you, get out of my way. Get out of my way. <laughs> um, okay, so the story of Hephaestus is like the original, chronologically speaking, because Roman culture borrowed so much from Greek culture, and so Vulcan is like the Roman version of Hephaestus, so... Vulcan is the copycat deity, Hephaestus is the OG, and so that's why we're doing both. Um, but there are some like pretty spectacular differences of details that it really does bear hashing out in this um, fire-themed episode. So diving in, of course, you'll all remember from the story of Vulcan, which actually I think we should link to the episode with Vulcan yeah, in, for sure. in the description here, because I think if you were to listen to that one, like really what I'm covering here is is some of the details where they dig in a little bit more for the, the story of Hephaestus um, and also just kind of what some of the differences are. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll add that link in the episode description. Absolutely. So uh, I think if you'll remember from the Vulcan episode though, he was basically like yeeted from the realm of the gods by Juno for being a bit wonky looking. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Which they, yeeted has become my new favorite verb. Um, which they don't really go into like, you know, they just say that he's not as good looking as the other gods. Um, Which, fuck, not... fuck you, rude. Yeah, it's rude. But uh, but this is also like a good time to cover Hephaestus because there's this tie-in with Athena and we did just do the Athena episode. So in some versions of the story, Hesiod's included, Hera is jealous even that Zeus has had this child on his own, basically. Like we know that he ate his... Um, live-in girlfriend the goddess of wise counsel as um, as zeus is prone to do what but she was already pregnant and then so he ends up kind of giving birth to athena through an axe wound in his forehead um but so she's like i want a miracle baby and because in this version of the story she 
does go through these like dubious means to achieve this immaculate conception. And she ends up having a baby with serious birth defects, which is, I guess, like a better explanation than just the baby's kind of ugly. But it's a much more kind explanation for sure. But still, um, Hephaestus gets yeeted off Mount Olympus and is raised by a sea nymph before the Olympian gods realize, oh shit, you know, this god of blacksmithing might be of some use to us. Um, and they invite him back. Um, so another key difference here that we also go more in depth into uh, the craftsmanship uh, of, of Hephaestus's creation. So like Vulcan is the god of blacksmithing and creates all these, all these wonderful things, but, um, and I, but I did find it fascinating. So in his post return to Olympus era, Hephaestus has this workshop with, ma with this magical forge and 20 fellows at his disposal and also three Cyclops assistants, um, you know, so. I, wait, three though. Three I want though, at yeah. least one, but to have three feels but like. to have three, it's, you know. That's a little extra. It's, it's doing the most. It's doing the most. <laughs> the absolute uh, most. But I, I think a side note though, it's from Hephaestus's forge that Prometheus steals the gift of fire to give to mankind. Um, it's a tie-in, y'all. And as <laughs> such, it's also fitting that the basic building of Pandora was also done in Hephaestus's workshop um, because Pandora was sort of the punishment for mankind for stealing fire or for taking, for accepting the fire from Prometheus. They had to be punished by uh, women being created, which I guess is the worst thing you could do. Yeah, um, because uh, vagina dentata, I guess. Right. Um, but I, you know, I think it's fitting that Pandora was created in the same forge that the fire was stolen from. Um, and you might be wondering, why is a blacksmith god qualified to make a person when Zeus is right there? And again, fuck you, I'm getting to it. Uh, so here's where the story gets interesting. Because Hephaestus is portrayed as the only god who is disabled. Um, a lot of his technology that is sort of his foundation as this great builder is based around his disabilities. So like for starters, he's sometimes depicted as having invented the wheelchair as a way to get around to do his work uh, in his workshop. Um, which is cool and all, but that doesn't really explain how he could make like a whole working body. So we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, but because we haven't talked about the automatons yet. So this mad lad, Hephaestus, um, he's in his lab building tripod robots, so like fucking the tripod robots from War of the Worlds. Oh my Basically, God, I was like, Hephaestus did that? Yeah, he literally did that. Um, and he also is like making his own robotic legs, basically robotic legs. Uh, they say it's like automated metal legs. I mean, yeah, that sounds I mean, like that sounds like robot legs. That's fucking iconic, though. Like, I love that there's a disabled deity that invents all sorts of fucking really cool tech. Right. And, you know, so he's got like robot legs and then he's also got robotic assistants. So they call them automatons, but they're 
made of metal. They're like impervious to all sorts of magic and like physical attacks. Um, and they do his bidding and, you know, they, they, they move with like the same motions as a human, like they walk upright, which, you know, we famously still have not completely figured that out with our own technology so yeah walking a bipedal walking is very complicated it's hard to do it's hard to do with and it doesn't make a lot of sense to do it either which is truly delightful like i love that humans are just always on like the precipice of falling right but it's also like even though it i mean because the tripod robots like that makes sense like you know it's it's a much more stable design but it's like we're so vain we can oh we yeah think, we think that like the best way would be to make a robot that looks like us yeah um yeah but so it's also said that he could make a uh, quote-unquote living statues so for instance there's these like lion and dog statues that are supposedly in mount olympus sort of at the gates um and that they would sort of come to life and like bite and attack and chase off intruders uh, which is why you can't go to Mount Olympus because there's these like lion and dog statues that are alive because Hephaestus can imbue these metal statues with life. Okay, but also I really want to meet them. I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is so cool. Um, but, you know, like out of the context of the times, of course, it does sound a lot like modern robotic technology. And even like a surprisingly modern take on um, like mobility and disability tech and how that kind of works together. And you got to think like this was BC. So we're talking like 3000 years ago, at least when, we, when, when we're kind of like coming up with these myths. So that's like. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing that I feel like more and more luckily, and I think especially witches are talking about this idea that like ancient humans weren't fucking morons. Like, well, and they talk about Daedalus, who built the maze uh, for the the Minotaur, yeah. Um, in Crete, uh, he was like the king. He was like the you know this king having like moving images in his in his castle, and it's like the yeah. or like moving paintings in his castle, and it's like that sounds like a fucking television. Like the way yeah. it's just like. I, and that's like so much that like that should even be a Patreon episode, like Atlantis. Like we should absolutely. Oh my god, I want to um, talk about Atlantis. I want to talk about Lemuria. We have thoughts. We have thoughts. We absolutely have thoughts, but we're not talking about that today. Basically, the idea is that you know they describe this tech. It sounds very robotic. It's very woke as far as like the I you know this like disability mobility tech. Um, but it's this skill set. It's this skill set of like making these automatons and like these robot legs and all of this stuff that really uh is the skill set for making a person and um that's why he kind of lays the groundwork like does the foundation of pandora basically um and so other famous engineering feats by hephaestus include achilles armor hermes winged sandals uh, Cupid or Eros, depending on if you're Roman, Roman or Greek, um, bow and arrow, but like Cupid's bow and arrow, you know. Wait, um, wait, wait. So is he like the James Bond's Q yeah, exactly. for the deities? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so he makes Helios's chariot, Hercules's clappers, and on and on and on and on and on. 
But what really draws me to Hephaestus's story is just how it feels so Virgo. Um, and so what do I mean by that? So just to kind of, before I go into what I have written, every time they talk about Hephaestus, they have to talk about how he's not good looking and how he has this disability. Like even though he invented all of this technology and is making all of the gods' lives better, it's like, wow, yeah. It's like, how the fuck is that the most interesting thing about him? Right. Um, so, but like taking a look at his personal life, we have this super powerful God, so smart, can create all of this technology, who's like literally devoting his life to making and inventing things that make everyone else's life easier and better, uh, especially for people who famously did not want him around because he wasn't good looking enough. Um, like that's, that's Virgo energy. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking sure. But which should be enough, you know, like he's making everyone's life better. He's inventing all these things. It should be enough to garner this respect and admiration from the top all the way down. But no, of course we have Hephaestus paired up with Aphrodite, who is this beautiful love goddess and sort of is like a, a proxy goddess with Venus or like vice versa actually, because Venus is after Aphrodite. Um, and she, she's repulsed by his aesthetic and is sort of constantly going outside of their relationship for affairs, um, which for Greek gods is kind of well and good and par for the course. And actually he has his own dalliances including those that give birth to some um, other famous geyser deities. Because here's the thing about Hephaestus. Hephaestus is um, sort of this hearth god. Like the way the Greeks would worship is they would have these little statues of Hephaestus. Um, they would put by their hearth in their homes to kind of show this mastery over fire. Um, yeah, it's like maybe sometime we, we can figure out how to talk about like the practice of having like house gods in like which Greek I, and which Rome. Which I love, yes. Yeah. Anytime, anytime one of the deities we talk about, it does come up, like I will say whether or not they are a house god, but that's, um, you know, Hephaestus, definitely a house god, definitely really big in Athens. So like has this connection with Athena. So they would say that Hephaestus and Athena were soulmates, which turns out, I, I think not to be true, but- um, Yeah, like, it sounds of, like they might be like twin flames but yeah, not soulmates. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, but also Hephaestus um, is sort of like a patron god of volcanic islands. So if you look at like Sicily and Mount Etna and, you know, sort of these other places in the Aegean and the Mediterranean, there's quite a few ac actually active volcanic islands in this part of the world, like a little mini ring of fire even. Um, and so when there's like geysers around these volcanoes, they would attribute them as like these children of Hephaestus um, and his and his own dalliances. So, um, but the point being that he really did do so much just to still be an outsider on Mount Olympus because of his looks and he was insecure in his own partnership. Uh, and there, but there is somewhat of a silver lining though. He does end up having sort of like a mutual courtship with, um, they call her the foremost of the graces. And the graces are like the embodiments of these positive human values, like culture and charity and, um, you know, but so, so yeah. at least someone loves and respects him. 
Yeah, he deserved that at least. Um, and I think it's kind of like a good morality story that, you know, like the best of these human qualities is to kind of like see someone for their their inner inner value yeah instead of just yeah. focusing on like the vanity of it all yeah it's really easy to love pretty people right um but i would say this isn't fully a segment about gassing up hephaestus and putting him on a pedestal like all greek gods there are some darker stories about him so for instance in his frustration in his loveless marriage with aphrodite and also there's this weird pressure of like him kind of being like the antithesis of Athena in a way. Um, because, you know, Athena is like immaculately born to Zeus and Hephaestus is like immaculately born to Hera. So they're kind of like pitted against each other, but are they soulmates or are they not? Um, he tries to force himself onto Athena. Which is never fucking okay. Which is never okay. Um, but she's not having any of it. And like, good for her. She shouldn't be having any of it. Uh, but in this, like, assault, in this moment of, like, where he's, like, forcing himself on her, some of his excitement goo oh. gets on Athena's thigh. Excitement goo might be worse than calling it cum. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so, but it, but it gets on Athena's thigh, and... Um, she kind of wipes it off with a, a little piece of wool and disposes of it in a hole in the ground. Well, in this Greek pantheon, a hole in the ground isn't just a hole, it's Gaia's hole. Literally. <laughs> oh my God. The earth, everywhere on the earth is a womb to the gods. So now Gaia is pregnant with Hephaestus's baby. Um, Fucking weird. Which, uh, you know, the baby goes on to become uh, Erichthonius, who is one of the first kings of Athens, so a legendary king. Um, and, you know, kind of rounding out this segment, though, there is an alternate story where Hephaestus is sort of a primordial god like Zeus, Hera, and Poseidon. Uh, and this is, and he's there when Zeus is like spazzing out about Athena being in his head. He's got, you know, he's got this crazy headache because Athena's like in there. Um, and it's not the most popular version. It's not the most like widely accepted version. I do think it's funny though, that we did just do Athena so recently because in this version of the story, Hephaestus is the one that actually gets to like cut open Zeus's head with the ax because one of the main tools in his toolkit and one of his top symbols as a deity is this double-headed axe. So in a way, it just kind of make logical sense that, you know, he would be the one with the right tools uh, for the job, assuming that he was kind of there with the primordial deities and not Hera's immaculate conception baby. But, you know, it's like there's two sort of conflicting versions of the story. And like, I did want to include the one where he is the one ultimately who chops up and- <laughs> The man head. with the ax. Because we did just <laughs> tell that story. Um, but I, and I would say between this, like the kind of the details that we're uncovering and looking at here, plus what we've already done with Vulcan, like you really do have pretty much like a complete picture of the story now. Congratulations, um, you guys, for congratulations, having that complete story. 
Um, You're welcome. But we're, but we're here. <laughs> we're we're at we're at the bitter end of the episode. Or we we're, are. We're close. we're close to the bitter end of the episode, and it's taroscope time, y'all. It's taroscope time, y'all, and like. I gotta say, this is my first time using my new deck for it, the Blooming Cat Tarot. Um, this was a birthday gift. It was like a Kickstarter and I just got it because of shipping delays and all sorts of shit from the pandemic. And apparently these were on a ship just sitting in like the port of Los Angeles for like two months too. So even oh, yeah. once the so, decks were ready. Uh, famously supply chain issues. And also, yeah. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know why, but I feel like for some reason this was caused by that ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Probably. So this is the Blooming Cat Tarot, though, by Cosmic Eye LLC. It's very cute. And y'all know we've got these astrology like cards now. So today I have drawn Taurus. Hey. Cute. I love I, I, I love the I love these cards. Like I cannot wait to get my little my little deck that you're sending I know. me for I'm to, trying to, the to finish your gift I've been working on and do oh, it. I, Hopefully I know, this week. I know. I'm I'm <laughs> like I'll get there. I, I will be hitting you up now. To like, draw, to like draw me cards for tarot scope and very like, fair because this is like the perfect thing for the tarot scope to be able to draw these so um usually nick gets to be the bearer of like bad and blunt news but it's my turn today for my very first tarot scope with the blooming cat tarot so for our bulls our little bull cats uh, i have drawn the five of wands and here you can see the five of wands the wands are represented by birch trees in the blooming cat tarot and the fives in tarot are usually referring to some type of conflict and this is no exception on my card you can see two kitties fighting so this card is telling me that you're in the midst of some type of competition or tension with others, even if it's just one individual person or maybe a group of people, and it's getting in your way. It's preventing you from working towards your own goals. So instead of finding common ground, this is showing me that there's a situation where like everyone has something to say, but nobody's shutting up and listening to each other, right? Like. I'm rewatching The Good Wife right now and it makes me think of those scenes where like the lawyers all start talking over each other at the judge and it's like that's that's like five of wands energy. So you don't have to engage though. Um, this sorry y'all might be able to hear Willow she's playing in the background. Um, so you don't have to engage though. This is a time where you have the opportunity to rise above it and be the bigger person like take a beat hear them out. I know my dear Taurus friends out there you can be a bit stubborn from time to time but sometimes agreeing to disagree is the best option to just settle things and move on. You could even find a new perspective but if you can't get to a place of agreement Sometimes it's not going to happen and you just need to move forward because ultimately whatever this conflict is, it is a stumbling block for you and it's not worth it to let other like let bickering and arguments with other people get in your way. So take a breath, take a bubble bath. And I would say I feel like sometimes this is advice that tortoises need to hear because they can't be very hard people. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay. It's okay to not engage. Yeah, it's okay to just be like, you know what, we're not gonna agree on this and move on. And you can do that. And, and you can do that. And it'll be okay. It'll be and okay. We, and we honor that and we respect yeah. that. We, we encourage that either. We do. So that's it. I, I just was like, man, I always get the fucking good news cards. And I the very- I, Honestly, I'm hoping this trend continues because I would love to, <laughs> I would love to like give y'all some good news next week. Like maybe, 
maybe it's finally my time. Yeah, it's next turn to get to be to be like the light bringer of taroscopes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's all we have for today, y'all. And you know, you're probably wondering when are we gonna sign off on this episode and to you i say fuck you i'm getting to it okay jesus christ <laughs> stop rushing god stop rushing us god. hold your horses but what do we say to all these feisty fiery bitches here in the last dying breath of winter Ooh, to all of you feisty fiery bitches we say blessed be bitches blessed be you fiery bitches goodbye Bye now. Say bye now. Bye. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That's right. I Love made that. candles. I'm fucking you made, crafty. You made candles. You're a crafty bitch. So. Yeah, I'm like, that's fire magic.